on November 7th, 1907, a boxcar containing dynamite caught fire in the village of Nakazari in Sonora, Mexico. When the flames reached the dynamite, the blast was felt 10 miles away. This morning, we're going to come to the end of our summer concert series. We uh, have started several weeks back, the beginning of July, and we started talking about using hit, uh, the titles of hit songs from the past eight decades as sermon titles. We started in the 40s with Sentimental Journey, worked our way through the 50s, 60s, 70s, on up to today. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, how to save a life, as we talked about the Great Commission from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, and uh, today, we're going to look at a message. Uh, today's message is based on a hit song from 2010. So we're in the, the, de- the decade of today, I guess. Uh, and uh, we're going to look at this hit song by an artist by the name of Bruno Mars. Any Bruno Mars fans in the house today? I'm a Bruno Mars fan. I like Bruno. It's pretty cool. Um, this song won the best uh, won the best male pop vocal performance in 2011 at the Grammy Awards. It sold 12 and a half million copies worldwide, uh, whether digitally or physically. 12 and a half million copies. Spent 48 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, including three weeks at number one. So this song that we're talking about today is called "Just the Way You Are." Just the way you are. And I thought this would be a great way to end this series uh, about uh, this summer concert series. Uh, and we're talking about how God loves us. And uh, I, I just, I think it's, it's important to understand. It's really important to realize that God really does love us just the way we are. And he accepts us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves us too much just to leave us in our sins. He loves us too much to leave us in our bad habits. He loves us too much to leave us making poor decisions and poor choices. But rather, he wants to change our lives. So this morning, we're going to look at two passages from the book of Romans. Now, I rarely, rarely preach from the book of Romans because Romans is really, really, really deep. I mean, it is thick. It's like swimming in molasses in the middle of January. It's, it's thick, heavy stuff. Romans is a great book. But man, it's one of my favorite. It's my, probably my favorite of Paul's letters. Um, but it is really heavy stuff. But I'm going to venture into uncharted territory today. I'm going to preach from the book of Romans. Um, there was a preacher I heard of once who preached 30 years uh, from the book of Romans. Uh, every Sunday, preached every year, and he got through, I think, halfway through the book. That's how thick and heavy the book of Romans is. Um, but like I said, this is going to be a great way to end this uh, sermon series this morning, the summer concert series. And uh, if you will grab your Bible, uh, if you brought one, hope you brought one. If you need one, would you please let us know? If, if you say, you know what, I don't have a Bible, call the church office and we'll, we'll arrange uh, to get you a Bible if you need one. Um, uh, also grab your bulletin. Grab your bulletin and turn to the back page to the HDO, and we'll fill in some blanks in just a moment. But like I said, today we're going to talk about God's love. And just, you know, my, like I said a couple weeks ago when I t- preached for the, uh, in the sermon for the 90s, uh, I Will Always Love You, uh, God's love is amazing. And I, I love preaching about God's love. And He loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way. The first blank on your outline is very simple, very, very simple. God loves you. What a great thing to hear. 
Isn't that wonderful? Just to know that God loves you. The God of the universe, the God who created everything around us, every human being, uh, every animal, every tree, uh, every rock, that God made all of this, the entire universe, everything in it, the stars, the moon. I mean, I was uh, looking at the moon the other day. Why not, right? So I'm looking at the moon and thinking, the moon is amazing. I was talking to my son about the moon and how it controls the tides and things like that and just how awesome it is that God made a moon, you know, just right outside our, our window. We have this beautiful uh, moon that lights the night and, and, you know, God made all of this stuff and he made everything and everybody and he made you and he made me and he loves you and he loves me. And, and when I say that he loves us, he loves us unconditionally. He really, really loves us. Look at Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God loves you. And I, and I mean that. That God loves you and he really, really loves you. And he loves you. And he loves you. He loves you all up in the balcony. People sitting in the back row. People watching online. People out in the, in the uh, welcome center right now. People sitting in the front row. Thank you for sitting in the front row. He loves me. He loves your family, loves my family. He loves everybody. And he loves, the Greek word there uh, it says that, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this is that Greek word agape. What a great word. It just means that God loves you unconditionally. There's no conditions on his love. He will love you always, no matter what. Whether you've been baptized or not, God loves you. Whether you live a righteous life or you don't live a righteous life, God loves you. If you go to church 52 Sundays a year, or you just come twice a year, God loves you. If you read your Bible every day, or if it's collecting dust on a shelf, God loves you. God loves you unconditionally. Romans 5, this passage that I just read, Romans 5 says that he loves you just the way you are. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his unconditional love for you and his unconditional love for me while we were what? While we were still sinners. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were stuck in our sins, God loves us. He loved us. While we were missing the mark, God loved us. While we were committing horrible, terrible sins and living unrighteous lives, God still loved us. Even in the midst of our sin and rebellion and disobedience, God loved us. He was loving us just the way we were. And because of his unconditional love for us, God sent his son to be our savior. I think about one of the great passages of scripture, you know, the one everybody knows, right? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That God loves the world. He doesn't just love Christians. He doesn't just love people who call on his name. He loves the world. He loves everybody in the world. All nations, all tongues, every tribe, 
He loves everybody. Right? Isn't that right, Phyllis? The people in Columbia, the people in Griffith, loves us all. Every single one of us. He loved the world so much that he sent his only son, his only son Jesus, to die for our sins. And that's why Jesus came. He came to die for our sins. He came to seek and to save the lost people of the world. Those people who are far from him, those people who are near to him, people who call on his name, people who don't even believe that he exists. Jesus died for the world and for everyone in the world. Why? Because God loves the world. He loves everyone. If we could get that message out, if we could be ambassadors of love, just messengers of love, just trying to help people understand God is not against you, he's for you. God doesn't hate you, he loves you. God cares about you, and he wants you to know him. He wants you to have this awesome relationship with him, to believe in him, to trust in him, to know his love, to really know his love. If we could do that, the world would be a different place. A song that we didn't talk about, but what the world needs now is what? Sweet love. They need God's love. The world needs to know that God loves the world. You know, there's a difference. There's a difference between saying you love somebody and showing them that you love somebody. There's a difference between saying I love you and actually demonstrating it. And I, I think about that key word. There's that key word there in Romans 5, that uh, 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So how did God demonstrate his love for us? That's the next blank on your outline. Jesus died for you. How did God demonstrate his love for you? Jesus died for you. And he died for me. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You know, God could have said, he could have said, I love you, but you got to clean up your act. You got to clean up your act. You got to put it, you got to get it all together. And you got to live a perfect life. And then maybe I'll forgive you. If you can clean up your act and, 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 for, and, and, and work it out and, and get your act together, then I'll love you or then I'll forgive you. But no, that is not what, that's not what God did. God sent his son Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. He sent Jesus to take the punishment that we deserve. I asked the, the kids at Fuel last week at our Fuel kickoff if anybody had ever taken the punishment for their brother or sister. Or if their brother or sister had ever taken the punishment for them. And these are teenagers. They're like, no way. There is no way I'm ever taking the punishment for somebody else. Uh-uh. But see, Jesus took our punishment. Jesus suffered the wrath of God for you and for me. He suffered under, under God's wrath for us. He, God sent Jesus to the world to die for the world. God sent Jesus to save the world by dying for the world. That's us. That's every single one of us. I got three passages of scriptures I want to show you. Okay, The first one is John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He showed us his love by sending his son. And 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is the very definition of love. This is what love is all about. It's God demonstrating his love. It's God showing us his love, not just saying, I love you, but rather saying, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to take my perfect son, Jesus, and I'm going to heap all your sins upon him on the cross. And so that when he dies, all your sins are gone. And he will take away all your sin. He will Make sure that your sins are forgiven. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. He sent his son to take our punishment. He sent his son to suffer the humiliation of the cross. God did something and he did it before we even knew we needed it. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That when we were still dead in our sins and dead in our transgressions and dead in our disappointments and dead in the ways that we fail. That when we were still dead... Jesus came and he died for us so that we could be made alive, so that we could be brought back to life. Jesus suffered for you and me. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said that he was the worst. So here's the good news, okay? Paul said he's the worst sinner ever, which means you can never be worse than number two. Isn't that good news? That when it comes to sin, you'll never be worse than number two. All right, so, so you got that going for you. You're not the worst sinner ever. Paul took that title on himself. Jesus came to save sinners. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's how, that is how Jesus uh, demonstrates God's love, by dying for our sins. Like it says... In Romans 5, could you, I mean, this is almost unbelievable to think that Jesus, the perfect son of God, would actually do this for us. Because Romans 5, what does it tell us? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says someone might possibly dare to die for a good man. I mean, if you knew somebody who was really good and did a lot of good deeds and was really nice to a lot of people and they uh, adopted puppies from, um, you know, shelters and uh, they uh, went and handed out uh, you know, they flew kites at the park with orphans and things like that. And they're just a really sweet, awesome, nice person. Somebody might possibly say, you know, I'll push you out of the way of a bus. Jesus did more than that. Jesus said, while you are still sinners, vile, rejecting God, disobeying, disobeying him, rebelling against him, that while you are still sinners, the worst of all, the worst, vile and helpless failures, I will die for you. I will lay down my life for you. And so now we don't have to face the wrath of God because Jesus faced the wrath of God. We don't have to suffer God's punishment because Jesus suffered God's punishment for us. We don't have to face spiritual death because Jesus faced physical death. Why? Why? Because God loves us. Because God loves you. He loves me. And he loves us just the way we are. He loves us. That's, that's what the whole point of this passage is, is that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. That's, that's God's love. That's how he demonstrated that just the way we were is the way that, that Jesus died for us. So here's the good news, okay? If you don't know Jesus, God still loves you. 
If, even if you don't know him. Right now you may be sitting there going, I, I don't know Jesus. I, I don't know enough about him. I, I don't know him at all. God still loves you just the way you are. In your good moments and in your bad moments. But if you're doing random acts of kindness or willful acts of cruelty. If you're thinking good thoughts, which I hope right now you're thinking good thoughts. But even if you're not, if you're thinking bad thoughts, God still loves you right there where you are. You may be loving, you may be the most loving person on the planet. You may be loving everybody in your life, including your enemies, or you may hate everybody. God still loves you. You may be living the life, a righteous life. You may be living the life of the second worst sinner ever. Again, remember, Paul took the title number one. Whether you are petting the dog or kicking the dog, God still loves you just the way you are. But like I said earlier, he loves you just the way you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you that way. The third blank on your outline is that God wants to change you. God wants to change you. Flip over to Romans chapter 6. In my Bible, it's just it's the next page. Paul's talking about to the Romans about grace. And he says in Romans 6, 1, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. God wants to give you a new life. We love new things, don't we? One of the, one of the great joys of life is, is getting into the front seat of a new car. Uh, can you smell it? You smell that new car smell? It smells new. Or walking into the mall. There's a mall smell. You know the mall smell? New clothes. And overpriced popcorn. Ah. We love new things, right? New babies. What happens when there's a new baby? Who wants to hold a new baby? Everybody wants to hold a new baby. Oh, the new baby. The baby's so sweet. The baby's so, so cute. They look like aliens. They do. But they're new, and so they're awesome. We love new things. New shoes, new pants, new shirts. Everybody's signing up today for new t-shirts, right? New GFCC t-shirts. Why? Because they're new. What do we do? We go to the grocery store, right? You go down the, the detergent aisle. What do you see? Everything is new and improved. Why? Because the old is no fun. We need new. And so what do we do? We look for the, the things that say new and improved. It must be better. Why? Because the package told me it is. It's new and improved. Well, what was the stuff? What was wrong with the stuff I was using last week? Boy, I hope it makes it smell better than that. Right? We love new stuff. Here's the good news, okay? God wants to make you new. Out with the old, in with the new. He wants to make you brand new. Brand new. And He is the one who can do it. He is the one who can change your life and change your destiny. And He can make you brand new. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has gone, the new has come. In Romans 6, Paul tells us how we get into Christ. We are baptized into his death and raised to new life. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That when we are baptized into Christ, Jesus makes us brand new. Brand new. You are new and improved. You've got that new car smell, or at least that new Christian smell. Isn't that great? That's awesome. That God doesn't want you to stay stuck in your old life. He wants to give you a brand new life. He wants to give you a brand new life. You can receive God's gift of love and grace through faith in His Son, Jesus. If you will believe and turn away from sin and repentance and confess your faith and be baptized, God will make you brand new. He will fill you with His Holy Spirit. He will forgive all your sins. And He will make you brand spanking new. How awesome is that? That He will take your old life and all the old habits and the old sins and the old failures and He will wipe it all away and He will wash it all away and He will make you brand new. I love that. That's what God does. God is in the business of the new. He is in the business of taking old and making it new. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us. That in, in the book of Colossians, we read that we were once enemies of God because of our sinful behavior. We were enemies of God because of our sinful, sinful behavior. But our status has been changed. Listen to Colossians 5, and 23. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, establish Established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. We were enemies of God because of our sin. And Jesus, when he died for our sins, and we put our faith and trust in him, and God gives us this new life, he makes it possible to be friends with God. How many of you have a friend? Wow, I I figured there'd be more friends. (laughs) Maybe you're not very nice. Maybe you need some friends. Well, this is a great place to make friends. How many of you like your friends? Hopefully it's the same number of hands. Okay, I like my friends. <laughs> I have friends, I'm just not very fond of them. No, I have friends and I love my friends. I absolutely, I, you know, I, I, I really enjoy my friendships. You know, but um, I have a friendship. I have a friendship that, that is amazing. I am, I am God's friend. God calls me his friend. I'm a friend of God. And that's not because I'm so great. It's not because I'm so wonderful. It's not because I'm so awesome. It's not because I preach, I preach amazing sermons week in and week out. Sort of. It's because God loves me just the way I am. And he is changing me. He is transforming my life. He is taking my old way of life and he is making me new. And every day is a, is, a, is a process. Every day is an opportunity to be made brand new. His, the Bible talks about in Lamentations how his mercies are new every morning. Every day is a new opportunity. Every day is a new chance to repent. Every day is a new chance to do better. Every day is a new chance to experience the friendship with God. And he doesn't hold your sins against you. He doesn't hold my sins against me. But rather, the Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed his transgressions from us, he's removed our transgressions from us, that he takes my sin and he throws it as far away from me as possible in a way that only he can. He has forgiven me and he wants to forgive you too. He wants to make you brand 
new. And you know what? Here's the good news, okay? Here's, this is awesome. God sent Jesus to die for our sins, and now we can be friends with God. And we don't have to be terrified that God is out to get us. How many of you think your friends are out to get you? You might need help, but um, <laughs> God is not out to get you. He is not out to, he is not in the business of smiting. He's not out to smite you, okay? You don't have to live fears, a life of fear that God is going to smite you. You don't have to live a life of dread or anxiety that God is going to stop loving you when you mess up in sin. It, you were once enemies of God, and now the Bible says that you are a friend of God. And our job, I talked about this a little bit earlier, our job is to be messengers of this friendship. Our job is to be ambassadors, the Bible says, of reconciliation. That we have a ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile means to take two things that were once far apart and bring them back together. Like when you do your checkbook, all right? You get the bank statement and you look at the, the checkbook, and you're going to reconcile them, right? It's like the bank says, I have this much money. My checkbook says, I have this much money. I wonder which one's wrong. <laughs> you have to reconcile those two things. You've got to bring two things that are not too close together and bring them back together. That's what we do. That's what God does with us. That he, has, he has taken enemies and made us into friends. He has reconciled us with himself. And he has given us this job. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have a job of telling people, hey, guess what? You can be a friend of God. We don't have to keep the message in here, folks. That's why we do things like putting it on the internet. That's why we do outreach activities. That's why we reach out to our community. That's why, because we, we want to tell people that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them and they can be friends with God. And they can go to heaven. That's the greatest message in the history of the world. That anybody can go to heaven through Jesus. And that's our job. You know, why are we going to two services in like six weeks? I'll tell you why. So more people can hear about Jesus. It's exactly why the, that's what, exactly why we're doing it. It's so more people can hear about Jesus. Why are we going to do some other things? Make some other changes. You know why? So more people hear about Jesus. I don't believe in changing things just for the sake of changing things. Preaching two sermons on a Sunday morning... Not my number one preference, not, you know, staying here till 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Wait a minute, what? It's because I want more people to hear about Jesus. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. If it means more people hear about Jesus, we're going to do it. Because that's the number one thing that matters. That's the most important thing, is that people hear about this amazing relationship with Jesus Christ, that he really wants to change us, and he really wants to change our lives. And he can do it. He wants to replace guilt and shame with hope and joy. He wants to replace bitterness with forgiveness. He wants to replace fear and doubt with faith and love. He wants to make us more like his son. He wants us to be more like Jesus. And it begins by accepting his offer of salvation. And we're going to do that in just a minute. We're going to have an invitation time. If you've never accepted God's offer of salvation by, being, uh, by putting your faith and trust in Jesus and being baptized, you can do that today. And God's spirit will come to live in you and begin to change you from the inside out. And he'll make you more like Jesus. Like I said, God loves you just the way you are. But he, leaves, he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to change you your life. He wants to make you brand new. So what happened? What happened in the, in the town of, 
uh, in the town of, in, of I got to get this right, it's Nakazari. What happened in this little town of Nakazari? You see, the whole town should have been blown to bits. It should have just been blown apart and just blown to smithereens, but it wasn't, thanks to the railroad engineer, Jesus Garcia. See, when he noticed that the boxcar had caught fire, full of dynamite, he quickly drove the car away from the town where it exploded harmlessly. Harmlessly for the people of Nakazari, that is, but not harmlessly for Jesus. See, Jesus himself died in the blast. He gave his life to save the lives of many. And there were probably innocent people living in that town. There were probably innocent people who were, you know, whose lives were saved. But could you imagine if he had pulled, if he had pulled away the train from in front of the home of a drug lord or in front of the home of a murderer? People wouldn't be so, maybe so grateful. But you see, when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross for the vile. He went to the cross for the wicked. He went to the cross for sinners. He went to the cross for you. And he went to the cross for me, Jesus gave his life for us. Why? It's because God loves us just the way we are. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us with this incredible, awesome, amazing, unstoppable, unfathomable, huge love that you have for us. For loving us the way that we are but caring so much and caring too much to leave us in our sins and to leave us the way we are. But rather, God, you want to make us new. So I pray that you would do that, that you would work in our lives to make us brand new, that you would change us and transform us through the power of your Holy Spirit to sanctify us and make us holy, to make us righteous in your sight. Thank you, God, for this wonderful gift of salvation. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't be good enough for it. If we could do it, Jesus wouldn't have had to die but we can't. So he willingly laid down his life for us and we thank you for that today. I pray for those who are here this morning who may be watching online who haven't never accepted your offer of salvation. I pray that God today would be the day that they come and they say, I believe that Jesus died for me and I want to be baptized. May today be that day. We pray these things in the name of your blessed son, Jesus Christ. Amen.